You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. On a turnpike in New Jersey. <laughs> it's Wednesday. It's The Big Show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. More Patty Dumas Springsteen, please. Yeah, Let's live go. From, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown Baby studio. Hey, you know what's really uplifting? Bruce Springsteen solo music. You ever had a good mood? Put on the song Philadelphia. Whoa. Ooh. Ooh. Whoa. Whoa. It's Whoa. a mood killer. Great movie. Wow. Great movie, mood killer. Wow, that's a rainy day right there. For sure. Mood killer. Um, we got to get to some more dad beers that you're texting in at 960 Is that the reference here? The dads? Bruce? Sure. Yeah. Where's the connection? I don't know. He feels like he's a guy that drinks dad beers. You know what? You just, you just sparked... Uh-oh. He just sparked an idea in my head for Uh-oh. tomorrow. So um, I used to work for uh, an FM rock station in school. I was like the producer behind the scenes yeah. promo guy. Run the board and stuff. And the late great uh, Iron Mike Benson was his name. And he did something called uh, like the, the 9 o'clock teaser mm-hmm. where he would give like uh, some clues about a specific thing, like he'd play like three songs, and you'd have to find the connection on all three songs. Sure, we should maybe do something like that for tomorrow for the okay. tickets. I got it. Yeah, I know. But what you it got to be flames based. Okay, we'll see if we can come up on a theme, and and I like the idea. Yeah, we'll make it work. Although I again, I I just want to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, we'll brainstorm it. Because now, when you're saying like, "Hey, is there any connection with Bruce Springsteen and Born to Run and Dad Beers?" Like, there's literally no connection. But that just got me thinking of how we can connect something and give away a prize. Your brain's just running. That's Maybe how it works. Born to run. I know we have a whiteboard in here, which I, Alex, what's the whiteboard for again? Is it just uh, for ideas? Is it brainstorming? It's nothing. It looks like it's just <laughs> reminders for the producer. Patrick, right away. It's nothing. <laughs> yeah, we got our we got our duties on it, and I okay. just kind of have like a word doc for that. They but. they. <laughs> They took, yeah, I have it on my computer. So what's took, your duties there? So what is, like, does it have your duties on there? Well, yeah, it has, like, pre-show stuff, so, like, emailing and social media stuff, uh, and then the in-show stuff, like, the podcasting and tweets okay. and, yeah. We also have a banger social post counter. Banger. Okay. And I guess for it to qualify as banger, it has to get over 100 likes, essentially. Okay. Have um, we have we have we eclipsed that on our socials yet? Five times apparently. <laughs> five times. This wow. week we're at five. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's every week. Well, that's awesome. That's pretty good. Um, Sam Cosentino from the Prospects game going to join us at the bottom of the hour. Flames off until tomorrow night. Brendan Parker uh, straight ahead. Flames TV host. Um, I was thinking about this too. Wanted to ask you, Maddie. Yeah. Vladar getting the start tomorrow night, or is this a Jacob Markstrom game? I'm going to say Vladar, then Markstrom, because you're playing a back-to-back. Okay. Chicago first, at home, and then Markstrom on the road against the Kraken. That's what I would probably do, but I could oh. see them going the other way. This has been a team that is also given guys back-to-back starts, and with them having 10 days off after, I wouldn't put it past them. And... You know, I'm I'm like I'm like you picking NFL when I try and pick the starter for this team. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for yeah. uh just getting that backhanded compliment to me. 
Um, mm-hmm. It's like, hey, George, you're really great at being an awful radio host. So um, let me ask you this then. I'm Joe Pubic right now. Okay, that's weird. Um, let me ask you this then. Who gives them a better chance to beat the Kraken right now? Markstrom or Vladar? Right now, probably Dan Vladar. Then save him for Seattle, right? Yeah. But at the same time, he's he's rolling in pretty good. Build up the confidence against the Hawks with Markstrom. Home game, should be able to win. Should be able to, but you also lost to the Blackhawks last time you played them. Didn't have a... Sure. Markstrom was the starter in that one, too. And Vladar came in and kind of turned it for Calgary. But but again, Patrick, I'll ask you, who gives them a better chance to beat the Kraken on Friday night? Dan Vladar gives them the best chance to beat both the Hawks and the Kraken, in my mind. But he's not going to play both But he's not going to play both. Right. I'm starting Markstrom against Chicago. I'm starting him on Thursday, and I'm going to roll Vladar on the road in Seattle in a massive, massive game. I'm with you. I'm intrigued, but I don't know, man. Like, flip a coin, roll the die. I don't, it hasn't always seemed to be, like, it doesn't seem to be relevant to the opponent. It doesn't seem to be relevant of the schedule always. There's just a, a gut feeling. Now, it's like uh, the old John Gibbons quote. It just feels something in his butt. Did you get it yet? No. Um, how important psychologically... Yeah, I felt something in my butt. Thank you. How important psychologically for this team is to get the next two wins heading into this monstrous long layoff? Uh, I would say quite, quite important. Certainly the one against Seattle. You want to end on a good note, especially in a divisional game. And if you lose them both, well, then, oh, you also lost to a bad team for the second time in a matter of weeks. Sure. And then lost a couple of key points to the Seattle Kraken. Now, like we've talked about, there's one of two teams that are for real in that division comparing L.A. and Seattle. I would say it's Seattle. Mm -hmm. The team that you really have to make sure you're making hay against is L.A. Personally. Sure. But at the same time, any opportunity that you have to try and take a couple of points within division, these proverbial four-point games, sure, you have to do that. You have to try and beat them in regulation. Because here's the thing. I don't know if it's going to be a Flames-Oilers 2-3 seed. I don't know if we're getting a Battle of Alberta in the first. I think you have to prepare to face somebody else. Because I think that maybe the Oilers or the Flames are going to get in as maybe a three seed. The way I see it shaking down is Vegas, Seattle. But Vegas is starting to come back to the pack now. Yeah, but And obviously then, not having Mark Stone is an enormous hole in their lineup. But they've started to kind of figure things out since losing Mark Stone. Like, they dropped a couple of games right after he left, and they've kind of been able to at least keep their head above water in recent contests. So, I don't know. Um, they are having some issues with their goaltending right now. Logan Thompson has been very critical of himself of late, mm-hmm. uh, and he was world-beater to start the year. So, I don't know. There's some interesting matchups in the division. But, yeah, this game against Seattle is huge when you kind of look at the way that the standings have been. You know, I think one of the things that surprises a lot of people is the Flames actually have a very good record within their division. They're like 8-3-1 and one, or something along those lines. So, the, the one against Seattle is big, of course. Yeah, again, don't look now, but uh, the Flames only six points back of top spot in the division. Yeah, and, like, and they have a game in hand on Vegas. It's it's without a doubt it is the closest division. It's six points separate first place and fifth place. But don't worry, the Canucks are gunning for that fifth spot. You got nine points separating first and third in yeah. the Central. You got seven points separating first and third in the Metro, and you've got 
19 points separating the Bruins and Lightning in the Atlantic Division. And, like this division, and that's the Lightning. Yeah. And, and they're really good. Yeah. The Bruins are already at 80 points. It's 47 games into the season. Uh, two games Stupid. before this super long break for the Calgary Flames. Talk about those Flames. Flames TV host on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to Brendan Parker. Brendan, how are you? Good morning, fellas. How are we? We're good. I got to ask you a question here because uh, we're v- Maddie and I are very serious broadcasters. Um, when I say dad beer, what's a dad beer? What dad beer pops into your mind? Oh, dad beer. Uh, that's got to be that's got to be like a summer beer, uh, just fresh after mowing the lawn. I think. But what's you know, the brand, so? Brendan? What's the what? The brand of the beer? Because I oh, said the to me, brand of the beer. Yeah, oh, original Labatt. sixteen, obviously. Oh, okay. Oh, right. oh. yeah. You're so, like you're that. so good. Yeah, official beer of the Calgary Flames. Yeah. Right did now. you did you text with Ross Tucker how to do that before the? Because <laughs> he's the only one answering, boys. We yeah. can put it. We can put a stop to that question right now. All right. Good job. Uh, you're right. Original sixteen. Yum yum yum. Official mm. beer of the Calgary Flames. I have to tip my cap. That is absolutely incredible. Uh, Brendan here. Uh, <laughs> two games heading <laughs> this long break for the Calgary Flames. Uh, who starts in goal? The next two nights here. Uh, you know, well, you know, I think naturally we would think that you're probably going to see both guys here at some point. Um, as far as the order, I, I could be swayed both ways. I think, you know, you could make a case that Dan Vladar goes back in and, and plays because he's feeling it right now, and and that's kind of been uh, how it's gone the last couple of games. Uh, but you could also say that uh, as a backup goaltender, at least the way that it started the season and the way it's been most of the year you know, a lot of times his position is going to be to get those back-to-backs of travel. So it's something that he's been accustomed to. It's a position he's been in a lot of times this year. And, um, you know, and he played in Seattle earlier this year. So so if I had to guess, you know, I think we see Jacob Markstrom tomorrow and uh, and then probably see Dan Vladar coming up uh, to finish off that pre bye week in Seattle. Um, but but I could also, I could see it going, every time we try Guess what Daryl Sutter and his coaching staff is going to do? I think he probably will look a, a different way, but I, I think I think he can make an argument either way. But if I had to guess, I would say that uh, you know you give Jacob Markstrom an opportunity to prepare here today and 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 uh, look at a good game Thursday night on home ice, and then Dan Vladar would get the second half of that uh, in Seattle. You never want to look past any one of these games, but for the Flames, and you would have been around some of the players at the poker tournament yesterday. Are any of them talking about? this long layoff that's going to be coming up and, and how they're going to prepare um, and I guess train over the course of those 10 days uh, because usually the all-star breaks only like a weekend, but it's going to be different this year for the players. Yeah, it is a little different for sure. It, it, you know, it kind of reminds me of, you know, a couple of different points, you know, a couple of years ago where, uh, you know, well, we had the kind of the COVID break more uh, last season in the middle of it, December, and that that uh, you know I think ended up being about seventeen or fifteen, seventeen days. Um, you know, it, it is unique for sure, but uh, the good news is every team's going to go through a very similar uh, situation. You know, I think it's going to be staggered a little bit, but every every team I think I was looking at it the other day is going to have you know between nine and eleven days off in between. So every team's going to go through it. You know, you're going to catch a couple teams coming back from their break. You're going to catch, you know, uh, in in our case, you'll be coming back when everyone else maybe is starting there. So, you know, there's kind of, it's kind of on both ends of it. And I don't think it's anything that they're, you know, too worried about. I think more than anything at this point in the year, you know, you're looking forward to a couple of days here, but, but specifically they know that they have to, 
you know, be in good shape going into it. I think more than anything, that's what I've heard from players. It's just, you know, let's get to that break, but let's go into it feeling good about where we're at, feeling good about our game and, and the positioning. And I think, you know, they've done a really good job over the last couple of games here to put themselves in a spot to do that. I think that's the most important part. You have, you know, a huge win over Tampa and then, you know, you come back to the Dome and you get another victory. And I think, you know, now you're kind of, you're feeling that momentum again and, and you got an opportunity to go into that break in a really good position. But obviously, uh, it, you know, it's about those final two games because it could really change the way you feel heading into a, a long layoff. And I think that's probably what I've heard most from guys is, Let's get there, but let's get there in good shape. We don't know what the status is of Chris Tanev, but he left that game in the first period after only a few shifts, did not return, and that would be a big blow to this team for sure. We were having the conversation on the show as to who the most important flame would be after the injury to Tanev, and, and we've gotten a ton of answers, and, and a lot of them very valid. Um, is there someone who maybe stands out to you in that vein as perhaps the most important flame? I don't know if I would rank any. I, I think collectively the importance is is spread kind of through the group because that's sort of what happened the last time. But if I had to really select somebody, um, because because you guys are making me, uh, no, I would I would probably lean toward Nikita Zadorov because of the fact that when he went down last week, um, Nikita played a you know an expanded role. We saw him even at times. Uh, on the power play at different points, but obviously playing in a top four. I thought him and Mackenzie Weger were great together in that stretch. They seem to enjoy playing together. Um, you know, obviously it works that they've had uh, Weger and Tanev paired together, and that's been excellent too. But, you know, given the situation, I would assume that that would be the case. Um, and, and and I think we just see those minutes kind of creep back up. And, and we've heard Daryl Sutter, you know, talk glowingly about Nikita's game right from the start of preseason on. And I think... You know, he's a guy that when he plays more minutes, you know, like most defensemen, they seem to thrive in it. And, and you know, I think we even talked about it the last time I was on with you guys. And I think that was kind of at the peak of where Nikita's game was looking really good. Uh, he looked, you know, extra confident on the ice, playing in all situations. So if I had to lean anywhere, I would say that he's probably going to be the guy that's going to, you know, eat a few more of those those uh, marquee minutes. And, and he's the guy I'd look at because he'd be, you know, taking an expanded role in the top four if that's the case. Brendan Parker, Flames TV, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Brendan, how surprised are you how tight this Pacific division actually is? You know what? I, I don't. I, I think I expected it to be a lot closer. Uh, you know, as far as where it's at right now, I, I honestly think that by the time we get closer to March, it might even be more congested than it is right now. I think it's just the way that this, uh, this division is set up right now. You've got some teams who are kind of on the rise, and you've got some teams who obviously got some talent and are starting to figure it out a little bit, and, and uh, it's created a lot of fun. I mean, it, it is kind of wild, though, when you look you know, every single night and take a peek at the standings. You could be in, you could be out. Um, on, on, on an off night, you're out, and on an in night, you're in. It, it's, it is remarkable, but I, you know, I don't know if I'd say surprised because I think I did expect it to be a little bit more competitive. Maybe I didn't expect, uh, you know, exactly how it's set up right now and, and, you know, the, the rise of the Seattle Kraken and how, you know, good they've been. But um, I don't, I don't see a change in either. I really do think that this is going to be something that's, you know, separated by four or five points from, you know, kind of first to fifth, basically the rest of the way. I don't know about you guys, but um, you know, I'm looking forward to this stretch run. That's the other mm -hmm. thing coming out of that break. When you get back, you know, it's it's a full-on sprint to the finish, and I think that's something that everybody's looking forward to. 
It's going to be a lot of fun down the way. Uh, yesterday looked like a lot of fun at the poker tournament. Uh, I know Nikita Zadorov has been rocking incredible fits all season for game days and such, but um, did anybody rock the cowboy hat yesterday? Who had some of the best drip at the uh, Cowboys or at the uh, poker tournament? Yeah, you know what? Every I think everybody had a, had the cowboy hat on. Some guys rocked it better than others. I'll say that. I don't <laughs> think he put one on. I think Nikita kept his off that had the cowboy hat. But everybody has kind of you got kind of the uniform look. They had the black uh, black cowboy shirt with the Flames logo because part of the idea of the poker tournament, obviously, the jerseys on the chair. I mean, the the, the idea is for the 400 participants to win the jersey off their back. So you got a celebrity at every table. So every flame had a table and. As soon as you take away all their chips, you get their jersey and you get it signed. It's a really cool event. And uh, obviously, first time in, you know, three years that it's been done back in February 2020. And uh, and it was uh, it was awesome. It, you know, it's one of those events where, you know, the golf tournament is great. It's, it's the other big fundraiser. But, you know, everyone generally gets on the course and then you kind of visit with everyone at the reception. This is this is really low key, very casual. You get a chance to go and, you know, chat with the players, you know, take some photos. And uh, and just kind of pick their brain a little bit, and then obviously get a chance to take their money. And uh, and it's you know obviously huge fundraiser for the for the uh, Flames Foundation, and it goes a long way. I think close to six million dollars uh, in the 15 years prior. And I don't know what the final number was last night, but everyone's in good spirits. And um, you know we had a little. We were I was trying to get a read on the uh, a little bit of the trash talk and trying to see who who is going to stick <laughs> around and have maybe the longest. Uh, time with their jersey on their back and there was a few answers but i think nikita zadorov uh, ironically you brought him up he was uh he was one that was pretty confident uh, they play a lot of cards on the plane as they all said i think nazim kadri said he, he his name should be in there rasmus anderson he was talking a big game as well so i think those were the guys that were uh that were saying that uh, they would hang around the longest i didn't stick around to see uh which jersey uh was the last one to come off because i think i would be determined after the break but it was a great event and a lot of fun last night uh, Brendan Parker, Flames television host. Brendan, great stuff. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. Thanks, boys. Have a good one. There he goes uh, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dining at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. More impressive product placement on the radio. <laughs> Brendan Parker, Ross Tucker. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That was a uh, right from the my front page story.com annals of history. Yeah. yeah. Incredible stuff. Yeah. Brennan so, Parker. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Original 16 is my favorite beer. Supposedly, <laughs> Elias Lindholm had a royal flush last night. Get out of here. No way. Odds are one in 650,000. I would have folded. <laughs> fold. <laughs> I fold. I fold. Your five aces beat my royal flush. <laughs> Wait. Hold on. <laughs> are you? Do you ever? Are you a poker guy? You, oh yeah, we used we used to play a lot. Really? Before the pandemic, and a little bit when we were allowed to hang out during the pandemic, uh, we did that a little. Should point, we have like a, a poker night? Sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah. During this Flames break. Yeah. What's the buy-in? A thousand. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I got My a little paycheck. Putting <laughs> <laughs> a thousand pink slips. Yeah. Oh wow! You're fired. <laughs> Um, we should have a we should have a sports at nine sixty poker night. Yeah, sure. I'm in. Who plays poker? The Steinberg? I would assume so. I know he likes to tickle the felt a Logan? little bit every once in a while. Logan? I probably. I'm gonna assume you know who's probably the the like the, the most ferocious card shark out of all of us? Willsy? Probably Alex Brody. Oh. <laughs> Alex, how much poker <laughs> yes, do you play? Sir, okay. I oh. love poker. Oh. But 
I'm too scared to go to like a real casino and play. Like I'll play it at home. Yeah, I would. Uh, that's the doesn't interest me in betting against other real people at a casino. I, I don't think I. You just want to have like a crooked home game. Is that what we're gonna do? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Five aces, all that type of stuff. Well, we got we we got to pick a venue for it. Then we're gonna do that. Okay, we can do that. Okay, I got some ideas. Okay, I like it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't also like Sam Cosentino talking about some top prospects. Man, you are on fire. Like I am just the transitions right you now. You are cooking. Yeah. That extra three minutes we started the show late this morning really paying yeah, off. It's true. It really gave me. It really energized me. Yeah. But I also got super. I got up super early to watch Novak Djokovic play, so I'm good. Oh, so you're like in midday for him? Yeah, this that's is what like it is. Five o'clock to me right now. Your sleep schedule is, is broken. Life shortening. Uh, <laughs> Sam Cosentino, NHL and CHL analyst for Sportsnet, will join us straight ahead, and we'll wrap up uh, the dad beer conversation. A lot of dad beers coming in at Sportsnet 960 on the text line, and one on Twitter. Wow. Okay. And then uh, we'll hand things up. What do you got at? Not no, there ain't no, there ain't no just a replay. Okay, right. we got a meeting for the uh, beer league thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love meetings. Big show, Russick and Rose Sports at nine sixty. The fan. <sighs> Your number one spot for Flames coverage can be found on Flames Talk with me, Pat Steinberg. Exclusive interviews, trusted insiders, and the latest news. Listen live weekday afternoons at four, or stream the Flames Talk podcast on demand. The plan for you. Hey. Trying to do a radio show here. Time. It's a big show. Russick yeah. and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Stop. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Everything basementy since 1992. I keep it Serving quiet Calgary. in the basement. Sometimes I like to rage, George. In Southern Alberta. Sue me. What are you, Patrick Reed? Showing up to my house on Christmas Eve? Yeah, Pat, the subpoena me? Yeah, there's weird stuff going on with Patrick Reed. And Rory McIlroy. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. Um, the NHL top prospects game goes down in Langley tonight. Uh, our man Sam Cosentino, NHL and CHL analyst for Sportsnet on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, joins us. Sam, how are you? Good to hear from you, George. How are you doing out there? I'm good. Things are great over here, Sam. Uh, thanks for asking. Got to ask you this serious question right off the hop. And Brendan Parker went the official beer of the Flames because he's he's such a company man. But I got to ask you, when I say give me a good dad beer... What's a good dad beer, Sam Cosentino? Bud. I only drink Bud, period, end of store. Okay, wow. Okay, not Bud Light, just Bud? No, well, Bud Light, yeah. I'm not much of a beer drinker anymore, but just Bud, and it's super, super cold. I'm not into microbrewery and all that stuff. <laughs> okay, I, I totally yeah. get it. Um, we, we I'm have an this... old beer curmudgeon. Okay, that, that's fine. <laughs> like, and You also like it ice cold. I asked this, uh, what if Connor Bedard went out there tonight, Sam, it was like a minus six and had the worst game of his career? Does it even matter? <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, he can go yeah. out there and literally have a good twirl and not even try and be like, yep, we're still taking that guy number one. He can use the wrong-handed stick. <laughs> somebody. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool, though? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and somebody else's skate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, he's like, this guy, he's unbelievable. And so it's funny because, you know, I'm talking with Jason Buchla yesterday. We're doing a little piece for Sportsnet Central. And, you know, I asked him that question because, of course, he's the number one story coming into this thing. And he's like, no, it doesn't matter, Sammy. Don't worry about it. Doesn't have to play, whatever. He can drive the bus if he wants. Uh, uh, but for me, the way I look at it is 
he's the type of guy that in these moments, he's probably really well aware that he doesn't need to do anything, but probably is looking at this as another uh, showcase of his talent. So it wouldn't surprise me if he went off for, for a couple of points tonight to, you know, just to continue to, uh, to etch his mark and as one of the best players, uh, you know, in CHL history, really. Um, Sammy, I'm trying to figure out uh, the comparable to Connor Bedard. Like, he's not McDavid. Nobody's McDavid. Nobody nope. skates like that guy. But is he what? Is he a Patrick? He's not Crosby because Crosby's like the greatest grinder who ever played in the NHL, and I get that. Is he more like Patrick Kane? Is is that kind of what we're shooting for here? Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a good comparison. When I think about mm. Kane, though, I just think a little bit more like playmaker, buttery, soft hands. And Connor has the ability to do that. But if you're, if you're picking one thing about Patrick Kane, you're thinking about his hands and his playmaking. If I'm picking one thing about Connor Bedard, it's his shot and his release. And so now you look to, to some of the best shooters in the game. And so you can look at younger, smaller guys like a Cole Caulfield or an Alex DeBrinkett or, you know, bigger, more established guys like an Ovechkin or like an Austin Matthews because his ability, whether it's on the one time or just to be able to do it from distance, from in tight, like he can score in a variety of ways. And I think that's what makes him a blend of all those different goal scorers. Cause you know, I watched the, the quite a bit when he was coming up through Erie. Of course, I watched Patrick Kane for his uh, pit stop in, in London. So I got to see all these guys at this age. And for me, it's a, it's a much easier way to compare when you see him at that, at the same age. Uh, and so those, you know, I, I'd look at those things. Caulfield, I watched quite a few of his games too, when he was coming up, uh, in the under-18 program in Wisconsin. So it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. And, like, I think people should really embrace what this guy is and what he's done so far because it's pretty awesome. It's been fun to watch for sure. And I think it's going to be intriguing to watch how the players around Connor Bedard are in this game, whether you're playing on his line or you're playing against him. Who are some of the players not named Bedard that you're going to be watching to see what they can do tonight? It's, it's really cool in this group because it's, you know, it's heavy. It leans heavy towards the Western Hockey League. Mm-hmm. And guys like Zach Benson, who grew up playing with Connor, know him quite well. You have guys like Andrew Crystal, who's unfortunately hurt, plays in Kelowna, but that's like Bedard's best buddy. And when I look at this 2019 Bantam draft from the WHL, the Riley Heights, the Braden Jaggers, I'm thinking to myself, wow, these guys are like, it's pretty awesome group of players. Um, and so those would be the guys I'd be looking at. Colby Barlow is a really interesting story to me. If you watched mm-hmm. Hockey Day in Canada, you would have saw him featured uh, prominently uh, with the Owen Sound attack. He's a 17-year-old captain. He's got the full beard going already. Really good <laughs> skater. Like, he's he's pretty awesome. And so I'm looking at uh, kind of a variety of guys. Nate Danielson, who plays with the Brandon Wheat Kings, he's a, a really good two-way guy. And, you know, two-way guys t- tend to have – you know, tough to pick them off the page in this type mm-hmm. of game because they're responsible guys. And, and most of the people you're looking at are guys who are going to put up big numbers and big points. So, that um, Moran, he was in our interview yesterday, plays for the Moncton Wildcats, defenseman, awesome story, leaves his uh, home at 12 to go play at a, the academy in Ontario. And then he gets drafted in the first pick of the second round of the Q draft. And his parents thought they was coming back home to his home province. Instead, he ends up getting drafted to Moncton 10 hours away from home. So this is essentially a kid who, to chase his hockey dreams, to learn English, knowing that this might be an opportunity for him someday, left home at 13 and hasn't really been home since. So 
really cool stuff going on here. With Connor Bedard, I'm interested in where he ends up, and, and there's so many different things that go into the discussion of what might be a good landing spot, a big market to, to help rejuvenate a market, a, a struggling team that has had a really bad stretch of years, uh, good teammates so he can have some early success, whatever it may be. What do you think would be the best landing spot for Connor Bedard, and, and would it be any of those reasons as to why? Uh, you can break it down in so many ways. Because yeah. you think about Anaheim, and as a franchise, they've, I think, done their best to try and remain competitive, going back to you know, their good runs with, with Getzlaff compared to the Stanley Cup you know, some 12, 15 years ago. So you think that might be a pretty cool spot, like Southern California, cool kid. That would be great. Uh, I think about Philadelphia and just how much trouble the Philadelphia Flyers have had, especially with injuries to top guys in the last couple of years. But he doesn't really look to me like he's a flyer. You know what I mean? Mm. And then I think about the Chicago Blackhawks. What an unbelievable market. You know, this run with Taze and Kane is coming to an end after their cup wins in 10, 13, and 15. So that might be a pretty cool spot. But, hey, are they too close to having success that, you know, he, you want them to go there? I think about Columbus. I'm like, ah, I don't really want to see him in Columbus. Arizona's got hall passes for the last 30 years with all the things that have happened at that franchise, do they really deserve a Connor Bedard? And do you want to play in front of 5,000 people for the next two years? I'm not really sure. For me, the perfect spot would have been, would have been Vancouver. He's from the province. It's a team that's obviously struggled. You know, it's prospect capital is, is way down. Um, you know, the circus that has been Bruce Boudreaux's uh, firing has really changed, uh, you know, the, the market. I believe it's changed the market in a lot of ways. So I don't know if they deserve it with the way they handle the Bruce Boudreaux firing. There's a lot of different landing spots for teams that just aren't very good. And I don't know. I, I think a little bit along the lines of Chicago. I really would have loved to have seen Vancouver, but if Vancouver makes a coaching change. They're going to probably end up picking right in the middle of the pack at 18, which is what they have done for years. And we're going to be talking about the same issues here after Bo Horvat's traded and Luke Shen's traded and Tyre Myers is traded. So, I don't know. Vancouver would have been the spot for me, though, guys. And what about Montreal, though? Well, okay. So, <laughs> like, let's, that, yeah, yeah, let's think about yeah. that for a sec. How incredible that would that. be for the NHL, not just Montreal. Yes, that would be pretty cool. I mean, I really appreciate the job that uh, Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon have done there. They've done a lot of work behind the scenes in terms of their scouting staff, their player development staff. They're guys that think outside the box. They're guys that they feel very confident in their abilities. And I think the Slavkovsky pick would be very telling uh, of that characteristic. Now, when I look at Montreal, they're definitely with their own pick going to be in the hunt. And whatever happens with the Florida Panthers, that pick was not protected. So if the Florida Panthers end up slipping here and getting into a lottery situation, the Montreal Canadiens could have two picks inside the top 10 and they could have a really good chance of, of getting the first overall especially, you know, Monaghan skating, but still out. Caulfield's now out, you know. They're going to move off of either Edmondson or Savard. They might move off of Josh Anderson. Like, with all due respect, this is a team that is not going to improve um, yeah. from now to the end of the year. Is there a scenario, Sammy, in this draft where maybe we see an NFL style that maybe a team like the Habs would potentially trade two picks within the top 10 to move up one or two spots. Is this that deep of a draft that we could potentially see something like that? 
Oh, I think so because there'd be there would be takers. Like I, I really, I really love the depth of this draft class. And what does make it interesting is when you're talking about trade uh, backs or trade up scenarios, is where the defensemen are going to sit right now. Um, you know, there might be one guy by the name of David Reinbacher, an Austrian kid who's playing in the Swiss League, who gets inside of that range of ten. But having said that, there's always teams that are worried, um, that will address positional need. And a right-shot defenseman who's 6'3", who skates like the wind, who's playing really well in Switzerland, is actually a really nice asset to be able to acquire at the draft. So there might be people that are sitting there saying, you know what, we'll take that extra pick. We'll allow Montreal to move up, but we'll get two shots here in the top 12 or 15 that we'd be really, really happy with to help hasten our, uh, our rebuild. And so I, I can see that scenario playing out. Having said that, if you get the first overall pick, I don't know. I, that would be pretty difficult to move off of, and you know, unless you're getting maybe two or three. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, mm. that that would be fun to watch for sure. Sammy, you bring up an interesting point. I know we always say, "Oh, this is a very deep draft." Is this a very deep draft overall, or is it a very deep draft with forwards? No, I would say overall, and the reason I say that is because some there's been some defensemen that have started to emerge here, like from the world juniors on forward. So I'll take Max Sturback as a perfect example. He plays in the USHL for Sioux Falls. Hadn't really played well for Sioux Falls, but at the world juniors, he was awesome. And that's a really telling for me that, hey, maybe he's had trouble adjusting to North American life. He gets back with his countrymen. He's comfortable. He played really well. He's now, for me, a first-round pick. Axel Sandin Pelica, little right shot defenseman and plays for Sweden. Skates like the wind, edges all over the place, can walk the line, run a power play, you know, get shots through. He's a guy who started to emerge going back to his under-18 appearance when I watched him in Plymouth in November. So, Ryan Backer, we've already talked about him. Etienne Moran is a guy who's starting to make, some, uh, make a lot of headway. Bo Akey, who plays uh, for the Barry Colts in the Ontario Hockey League. We're starting to see the second-half emergence of defensemen that pushes kind of everybody up and scrambles them around. So I'm looking at probably 10 forwards inside the top 10 and then addressing that positional need with some defensemen probably getting picked a little higher than maybe I would project. But the other element to that is there's probably two goalies that have a real good chance of getting into the first round. So, again, now you're moving things around in a way that maybe you didn't project at the start of the year. Uh, could this have an effect on the trade deadline, Sammy, that apparently this draft is so deep that teams might be hesitant to part with that first rounder to improve their playoff t- chances? It's interesting that you say that because there are teams that are on the fringe that are going to be, you know, like Florida, for example, on the border. What what would they do to move? Now, they, they don't have their first round pick, but just using that as an example of a team that's right on the edge. Now, if you're the Boston Bruins, you've put together one of the greatest years so far in the history of the National Hockey League, you know, fastest team to 80 points. You have a pick that's going to be 32nd. A lot of people will look at that as a second-round pick. So Boston will have no problem moving that pick whatsoever to address a tweaking need that they need to feel to get their team over the top. The Toronto Maple Leafs, I believe, are in that same category. They have to win in the first round. So moving off their first-round pick, although they don't want to do it, they may have to do it to acquire that piece that they think puts them at least through one round. So you have a different scenario that teams that are picking in the bottom, let's say, eight picks, you know, the the Bostons, uh, the Vegas, Edmonton, 
you know, those teams that are playing really well that are picking in the bottom eight, they'd be happy to move off of their first round pick. There would still be some desire for teams to move into that role and acquire a second uh, first round pick, but you're not going to get the same quality as you would in the top 15. That's typical in any draft and history tells us that. So again, depending on what scenario you're in, you're going to want to make a push to get into the top end of the first round if you're a team that's, uh, you know, that's, that's looking to uh, address some uh, some prospects. Um, Sammy, before I let you go, uh, wanted to uh, ask you about this. We know the World Juniors is a two-week sample size, and I think a lot of fans get a little out of hand with what the prospects look like because it's just a two-week sample. But when they play this game tonight, it's the best on best. The juniors necessarily isn't the best on best. How do general managers decipher uh, the two tournaments, the world juniors or this prospect game when they're really evaluating these guys? Yeah. And that's a great point. So if you look at the world juniors, people that are in their first year of draft eligibility are players that are playing against competition that typically is two years older. You're talking about 17 year olds to 19 year olds. So if you can excel in that event, such as a Connor Bedard, which has never been done before. Now you're saying, wow, if he can do this against players that are two years older, that are NHL draft picks already, what's he going to look like two years down the road when he's 19? So you're projecting what you're already seeing in greatness to be the next level of greatness after that. So when you look at one single game, it becomes a little bit more difficult. Although it is best on best, it is in the age group, um, there is some commonalities between the players from having maybe played together at under 17s or under 18s it's still just one game whereas the world juniors gives you like you say that two week that five to seven game period in which you can see them play against older competition so it is different it's weighted much heavier than what a single game would be weighted for example for tonight but it's still nice to see best on best same age group north american barn um, there is still a lot to be gleaned from this one single game. Sam Cosentino, NHL and CHL analyst for Sportsnet. Uh, Sammy, great stuff. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, George. Rosie, get back to your singing. Thank yeah. you. I'll do my best. Please no. All right. Thanks, Sammy. There he goes. Uh, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, using the same secret recipe since when? 1975. Drive in, uh, dine in. We well, can also drive there at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Got a couple minutes to go here. Um, we've been asking you a lot of dad beers on the show. Um, Jamie, love the show, guys. Uh, you want the ultimate dad beer? Labatt Blue. Um, Brent in Calgary, Labatt Blue is the ultimate dad beer. Um, Brent in Southeast Calgary, dad beer, Molson Export. Dad beer equals OV. OV, yeah, that's yeah. a heavy one. A dad beer, extra old stock. Tastes like cigarettes and regret. Dave in the belt line. <laughs> cigarettes and regret. Uh, Mark from Riverbend, Wolf. dad beers. Uh, Labatt 50, Molson Export. I, heard, I saw Wildcat in there too. Wildcat. Um, did they ever have Molson Dry here? Yes. Wolf. I had an old roommate who used to put a few of those away quite often. Really? Yeah, it wasn't mm, conducive to his health. We'll say that. Um, I saw Kokanee up here. Yeah, that was, uh, when I was a bartender, that was the staple of single dude comes in, sits at the wood, doesn't say a word, drinks six Kokanee, <laughs> and leaves. Okay. That sounds sad. 
at the same time. I wasn't. I didn't say it was a happy story, George, and they right. don't all have happy endings. Okay. Um, tomorrow we got a busy show. Uh, Brody on the beat returns the best segment in Canadian radio, not just Canadian sports radio, but Canadian radio tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk to Ross Tucker. Our man Frank Cervalli will join us. Uh, we'll do our best bets for Championship Sunday. Thursdays are the busiest week of the show. Like I, we got to get mentally prepared for tomorrow's show. Mm-hmm. Big one, jam packed. And I think I'm gonna piece together a game for tickets. <gasps> a fun game? Yeah, I think so. I think tomorrow's a day to do. Well, it. you got so much time. What are you doing tonight? Uh, sitting lonely in my apartment, wiping away tears of sadness. Wow. Okay. Well, that's. Maybe we should end. Hey, you asked. Uh, All right, that's it for us. Uh, replay straight ahead. We got a meeting to get to about the, the beer league game, which is next week. <laughs> next Thursday, tune in. Sportsnet 960. Our Whalers. Let's go. Go Whalers. Who are they playing? The Lushes? The Bushes? We got to figure dusters, out a bet between the... us and Pat and Logan. Yeah, 100%. There has to be some sort of bet. That doesn't involve some crazy haircut and or a tattoo. So keep your pants on, everybody. <laughs> But we got to figure out some sort of bet. We can get Pat to uh, sing, maybe. Would that be good? Sure. Have you ever heard? Stein? He probably has a voice of an angel. Oh, um, yeah, it's good. He probably it's, has a voice of an angel. It's not bad. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.